0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com.
1: All right. Well, if you met someone new, raise your hand. Okay? Fantastic. I'm going to give you a chance after our gathering's over to do the exact same thing. So we don't want anyone leaving without somebody connecting um, with them. So let's, let's be sure to do that, shall we? So glad that you're here today. We've not yet met. My name's Tom. And I had the privilege of serving on the team here at Gateway with, with some others. And if we've not yet met, I would love to meet you in person. I'll be out in the lobby afterwards. I'm usually hanging out with the kids or with the students, so you just have to kind of push them out of the way, okay? So, let's, let's plan to do that. So, thank you. It's a privilege um, to have some dear friends with us today, um, Jeffrey and, and Jordan Portman. I'll let you introduce your wife this time. How's that? Um, uh, Jeffrey grew up at Gateway. I mean, it's like, so, like, he's an old timer here. True. And so, you, yeah, and, and it was actually married here. He'll, Super he'll, old. He'll, t- he'll tell you that story. Jeffrey serves as the director of, uh, <laughs> of a church multiplication network, which is a nationwide thing. He literally has a nationwide stage. and Invited them to come and be a part of our DNA series and talk about prayer and the, and, and the power of prayer And I know you're seeing that all around the country Jeffrey aren't you yeah how God moves in response to our prayer So I want you to hear from from him this morning. It's dr. Jeffrey Portman Actually, but you never hear him say that It's just Jeffrey and so what a privilege to have you here today, mm. and I'll tell you what it's it's a message worthy of you note-taking and I have my notes down here, and I'm going to go right back to them. It'll be note-taking like a like a share. Um, if you don't have anything to write on, write on your neighbor's arm. <laughs> take your neighbor home with you, right? So do that, <laughs> and that'd be great. Let's give Jeffrey Portman a hand, shall we?
0: Thanks, Pastor. Love you. Love you. <clears throat> well, I don't know if we could bottle some of the energy that was represented in the front. How many could use that tomorrow at about 6, 6.15? Well, I'm so grateful uh, to be back home. And Pastor Tom and Jen, you guys, come on, you're so blessed with your pastors and your whole team, right? So we love you guys, honor you. And um, so uh, their son, Jeff, their, I don't know, youngest? Okay, youngest son. Um, I'm a few years older than, than him, And but we always needed one more person to play basketball. And um, we couldn't, when I say we, Myself and one other guy couldn't really jump super high. And so we would play at the elementary school where the hoops were just a little lower. And then we invited Jeff, but then he kept growing and he kept getting better and then jumping higher. And so then he kept blocking our shot. But we love your family and I'm grateful for you guys. So um, my wife is here. Joanne, would you stand? We got married. I was standing right here. And uh, we got married here uh, almost 31 years ago. June 19th, it'll be 31, whoop, 31 years, and um, I, I want to ask this, I, I, I ask this often across the country, how many of you have been married for 50 years or more? Let me see your hands. Okay, just look around. We just honor you. Seriously, thank you. I think, I think for every young person that's here, every young adult or student, you need to see these hands and know marriage works. That marriage was God's plan to set in motion, like, this is the to perpetually relay spiritual truth. And so we just, we honor that. Joanne and I are going to catch you at some point, but um, today I'm excited. Week 8 of our DNA series, and of course DNA are these distinctive markers that are outward indicators of like all of the little components that weave us together, right? And in the series, Pastor Tom, Pastor Mario, Pastor Sarah, have been teaching on some key elements that are distinctives or markers as a follower of Jesus. What are, what are things that should be obvious to others, part of our spiritual DNA? And so today, I'm gonna to be teaching on prayer. In the midst of the, the focus text or the anchor text, which is Romans chapter 12, verse nine through 21, in the heart of that is chapter 12, verse 12, and here's what it says. It says, be joyful in hope, How many know hope is powerful? In fact, people who have hope recover faster and they live longer. And if you've ever had hopelessness, you know how painful that is. So Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, be joyful in hope. And by the way, our hope as a follower of Jesus is in him and nothing else and no one else. We say this often, Jesus isn't our last hope, he's our only hope. He's not a way, he's the way and the truth. And the life. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction. This is probably the hardest of the three. (laughs) How many love being patient in affliction? Like, yeah, this is great. I just, I I tell people don't pray for patience because God will give you a chance to develop it. And as it turns out, it's often hard earned. But patient in affliction and then faithful in prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Paul also writes to the church in Colossae. So we know it as Colossians in chapter 4, verse 2. He says this Devote yourself to prayer, yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And one of the things I've noticed in my life is it's really easy to be watchful because we notice stuff like, oh, I like this or I don't like that. But are we tethering that to being thankful? And an attitude of gratitude is just, it marks, it's part of that DNA of a follower of Jesus, right? We, we think different, we pray different, we interact different. So he, when he says, devote yourselves to prayer, what he's saying is, um, remain in, continue in. You already started praying, keep doing it. And when you're doing it, don't just be watchful, but also be thankful. And I think in the same way with, that generosity takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts it onto others, prayer takes our attention and our energy off of our cares and our problems and it places it onto God. And it's a beautiful, we'll talk more about it in a little bit. It's this beautiful divine exchange that God offers us to be a part of. Now, uh, I realize um, in a room this big with this many people, those watching online, I'm going to call it the uh, practice of prayer spectrum, okay? So there are, there are some of you in the room today, and you are like veteran prayers. okay? You are intercessors, you're just like, you are a man and woman of faith and prayer, and like when someone needs prayer, they're like, find her, right? Uh, most of the folks in our traditions that met earlier, that's, we need that, right? And then some would say, okay, I'm here, others would say, I'm a novice, Like, what, like, is there stuff that it's illegal to pray about, right? Is there things that God's like, no, not that. Like, and so you're just kind of dipping your toe into this whole Christianity. Maybe even you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're like, I didn't know what to do, so I prayed, right? Maybe that's where you find yourself on the spectrum. Others would say, I start with prayer. If you're newer to prayer, you might feel weird when you pray because you can't see the person, it's a little bit like you're driving in the car and your favorite song's on, no one else is in the car. And you get to the stoplight and you're going, you're just belting it out. I don't know who your favorite singer is, but they probably sing a little better than you, right? But when you're singing with them, you're like, I have pipes. And, and so you're just like singing and then you get to that stoplight and look over and someone's like, because they're watching you. They don't know the music's on. It's like something, one other example might like if, you walk through a spider web, but no one sees the spider web but you. And you're like trying to get it off you. And you're like, something's wrong there. We can feel sometimes in prayer like that because we're like, no one else knows what, what we're experiencing. And I just want to propose this it, wherever you find yourself on this spectrum, God loves it when we pray. God designed us for relationship. And part of relationship is this communication, this is interaction back and forth. And that the God of the universe would want to engage and interact with us is a beautiful mystery, but it's true. Now, my wife and I, Joanne, we have two sons and two daughter-in-laws. I think we're going to throw a picture up of them. So this is our youngest son. In fact, Josiah and Maria, they're here right now. And um, so they they live in uh, Auburn, Washington, and um, they are our favorite kids— who live in Washington, and, um, and then Justice and his wife, Brittany, they live in New Jersey, and so they're our favorite uh, kids in New Jersey. Um, and they have our granddaughter, Sophia, who is our favorite, okay? Um, but here's the thing, everyone, throw your hand up if you're a parent or a grandparent. Okay, so you're gonna, you might track with me on this. Every parent relationship with your kid starts off as the kid being the recipient and the parent being the initiator of communication. Why? Because kids can't talk at first, right? There are motions and, and you know, noises, which you like, can interpret. But what happens is, as the, the child begins to grow and mature, they go from being only recipients or beneficiaries of communication to initiators. And every time, we live in Springfield, Missouri, every time they text us, or they call us, or ping, a FaceTime, we'd like to visit, or they shoot us a DM with a funny story, or a dog, or whatever. We're like, we love it, why? Because we love it when our kids interact with us. When you think about prayer, I want you to know this, God loves it when we interact with him. And whether you'd say I'm over here a veteran on this practice of prayer spectrum, or I'm a novice, you can have confidence that when you pray, God is engaged, and he's not out there somewhere far off, he's actually close that's good news for us, isn't that? Now, the Bible talks and teaches about prayer a whole bunch, okay? In fact, one of the first followers of Jesus, Peter, you can, you can slide to verse, uh, 1 Peter 4, says, the end of all things is near. Now, some of us go, that was written like 2,000 years ago. He kind of missed it. That's only in the scope of our lives. In the scope of eternity, it's this right? And so he says, the end of all things is near, therefore be sober-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Now, it wouldn't be crazy for us to read this and go, okay, the end of all things is near, therefore be sober-minded and self-controlled so you can plan. That wouldn't be bad. He could have put that. He could have put fight, like you're against the enemy and you have an adversary, you got to be sober-minded and self-controlled so you can fight, or maybe ponder to think deeply. But he invites us to do these two things in advance so that we can pray. And I think that's powerful. I, I wrote on my notes, and this is one of the most important things I'm going to say today, and that is this, that prayer in its simplest form is communicating with God. God. And it is a mystery, but it's also very simple. God communicates with us in so, so many ways and so often through his word, the Bible, which is how Tom opened this entire DNA series, the centrality of Scripture. It's our foundation. It's our filter and the final word. But we have this invitation to engage with God in prayer through simple communication. In the Bible, throughout the Gospels, not just the Gospels, but throughout the Bible, we get glimpses and I think a front row seat to the power of prayer, to the purpose, the, the outcome of prayer. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story, and Jeter, G, Derek Jeter's awesome, but that's not, when, okay? When, you, when you're going to say Jesus and Peter, it becomes Jeter, okay? So there's that. Um, I am a Yankees fan, okay? So that's a fact. Can we just cut that, and then we'll just slice the other part together? So, I <laughs> said, it's a good thing I speak for a living. Yeah. So, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, transfiguration, you can read about it in the first part of Mark 9, epic, cool experience, but then they're, they're meeting back up with the disciples, and we pick it up in chapter 9, verse 14, and here's what it says. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. So like, oh, there's some commotion here. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, isn't this this how we should be? (laughs) I love this. They were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. That's a good verse right there. Sometimes we're so familiar with Jesus, like, that's cute. Hey, what's up, bud? He's Jesus. But that's not even the whole, that's not the message, okay? So here's what Jesus asked. Hey, what are you guys arguing about? And then a, a dad from the crowd steps forward and he says, um, I have a son who is possessed by a demon and I asked your disciples if they could cast out the demon, but they couldn't. And he's frustrated. And Jesus is kind of like <laughs> miffed, okay? I know that because we're about to read what he says. He's, he's, he recognizes this is a moment for people to see the power of God and the fruit of prayer but he sees what we don't. And here's what he says. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long should, should I put up with you? That's a great verse to memorize, parents, with your kids, okay? Like, hey, kids, I have a verse I memorized today and I just want to share with you, right? And so he's like, hey, bring the boy, bring the boy to me. And so, sure enough, they brought the boy to him. And what happens? When the spirit, the evil spirit within the boy sees Jesus— It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Now, just pause for a second. If you're the dad, or if this is a mom in this situation, and your kid is possessed by an evil spirit, you don't want to visit with Jesus. You want him just to fix the problem. But this is where we can trust when we pray God knows what we don't, and his timing's better than our timing. Now, that's difficult in that moment, but Jesus is, is showing us this in his response. He says, how long has the boy been like this? And, and the father says, from childhood. He, he's often thrown into the fire or into the water to kill him. And then I love this line where the, the dad says, to the creator of the universe, to the redeemer of humanity, which he doesn't understand in that moment, but we do in retrospect, he says what? But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I think this is a good spot for us to pause because I know in my faith journey, even as serving Jesus for 40 plus years, I think sometimes, as Pastor Tom alluded to earlier today, I think we can sometimes pray, we can pray like this. Lord, I I, um, haven't talked to you for quite a while, but I thought I would just mention this or we say, hey, I know you're really busy, God, but, and you fill in the blank, or maybe you think, God, I know this is so small, you can't really care about it, or it's too big and you're probably not able to accomplish it, and we approach prayer through a defeated, through almost a sense of, I I know I'm kind of bothering you, but that's not how God the Father interacts with his children, and so what, what can mark us as followers of Jesus when we interact with God? We can pray prayers of faith, we're reminded of Pastor Mario being healed, we're reminded of the keys, and when you said um, Pastor Shelley, you know, prays for cats and dogs, I was reminded as a youth pastor, Joanne and I were in the front, you know, it's a, a prayer time, and a little girl comes up, so sweet, and I'm like, well, sweetheart, how can I pray for you? And she says, my cat's dead, and I'm like, how can I pray for you? right? Because you're like, I believe in miracles. Like, is, is it buried already, right? Is it in a shoebox? I need more information to know how to pray, right? But listen, let us take that countenance of that child that says, listen, this is broken, this is dead, but I want to bring it to God. What a, what a simple but powerful expression of faith. Now, in the story, we see hope in Jesus' response. And there's power, and I think there's actually a pathway for those that would say, on this, on this um, practice of prayer spectrum, if you're not like all in and really good at it, if you're anywhere in here, I think this is going to give all of us hope. And Jesus says this, if you can. And he's, he's like, Do you know who you're talking to? And some of you that know the Bible, you remember maybe Jesus with this woman at the well, and he says to her, If you know, who it was you're talking to, but they don't know. But we know when we interact with God, we're actually interacting with Jesus, who is seated, the Bible says, at the right hand of God the Father, who intercedes, which means advocating for us. He says, if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And I wrote this in my notes, and I shared this with Joanne early, early this morning. The gap, wherever you're at today, the gap between your ability to accomplish what you need to accomplish, and your lack, is that margin for a miracle. Whatever circumstance or situation we're like, I've done this, I've done this, I I brought this before the Lord, and then I stopped because I didn't see anything happen. I want to remind you that little gap between what is and what you're hoping or expecting to have happen—that's that margin for a miracle. And we pray, we set things in motion that prayerlessness can never set in motion. Now, I love the response of the dad. and I think this is a model for many of us. Here's what we read. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, and I love this part, help me overcome my unbelief. That is a, that is a wiser prayer than he probably knew in the moment. Because it recognizes, I have a measure of faith, but God, where I'm lacking, where where there's a gap, would you fill that in? Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, I want to ask this question, why can we even believe that when we pray, God will hear our prayers, or even cares? And here's the answer, because we have story after story in the scriptures of the love of God extended to us through Jesus Christ. He was like, what? Give me, give me an example. Glad you're seated. Christmas. The baby, Jesus. Before he could be the savior on the cross, he's the baby in the manger. And God is setting in motion the rescuing and the redeeming of humanity. And then he goes to the cross, taking our place. This is an act of love. And I, I, he didn't send his son to the cross because we're so bad. He went to the cross because he's so good. So how can, how can we pray with confidence? Because we see the love of God extended to us through Jesus. We've seen evidence in others' lives. You heard Pastor Tom, and you probably have a friend or a family member who has a story of a miracle, and you might have one yourself. There's patterns. It's a DNA. It's characteristics and key markers of those that follow Jesus. Now, how does this story uh, unfold? Well, Jesus... Um, answers the dad's prayer, heals the boy. But to everyone else, it looks like the, guy, the boy's dead. So we pick it up. Jesus grabs him by the hand. He lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after uh, he had gone indoors, so now it's just him and his, his leadership team, the disciples, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And he, he replied, this kind only comes out through prayer. And he's reminding them again of the power of, of prayer. Now I want to, just as I near my close here, I want to highlight a few things that I think prayer is, that we can grab from this story, because it's one thing for us to um, hear the teaching, it's something else to apply it, right? And what's the invitation as we mature and grow? Let's not just be hearers of the word, but like do what it says, to live it out. It's a reminder as we hear the story that prayer is powerful that prayer sets things in motion that prayerlessness can't. And I actually wrote down four, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. And I would actually invite you to consider what would you add to it as you're talking with friends or family, maybe at lunch or maybe you're a journaler. I don't know, you know, your faith experience. But what is prayer and what does it look like to practice it? So here's the first of what prayer is. Prayer is us inviting Jesus into our story. And you know, it's interesting, you feel different when you get invited to something than just showing up on your own, right? You ever been to a birthday party you weren't invited to? (laughs) Right? When we pray, we're inviting Jesus into our story. Now, what's crazy is he already knows, but there's something powerful about the kid and the child interacting with God the Father. And we have this beautiful invitation to say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of every part of my life, um, not just pockets. Here's the second of the four. Prayer is us declaring, what, our dependence on him. Now, I get this. Some of us in the room are like, we're self-made people, and I don't want to be dependent on anyone. Prayer is an act of humility. And prayer is just declaring our dependence. By the way, dependence isn't a weakness, it's actually wisdom. If you're dependent on God, the God of the universe, that's wisdom. It's saying, God, I don't got this, but you do. What's the next thing prayer is? Prayer is a way that we exchange our anxiety for God's peace. And, And again, with this many people, those watching online, I don't know what anxiety you're carrying. I'll say this, for some of us, There's an anxiety that you're just used to because it's all you know. And there's a divine exchange that God can offer you to to make. I think sometimes we we don't pray because we're just so familiar. Even though we don't like it, it's familiar. So there's a little bit of comfort, even though it's discomfort. And prayer is saying, God, I want to make this exchange. I'm gonna invite you to, to take the anxiety and the, and the, the fear and the frustration and, and even just some of the brokenness and God, would you take it and would you help me surrender that to you? That, that's one of the things prayer does is it invites us to make this drastic divine exchange where God says, I'm gonna carry, nothing's heavy for me, so I got you. And that's, that's our part then to initiate and engage with him. Here, here's the last that I have, and there's, again, way more, but prayer is a simple yet bold act of obedience. Why? Because Jesus said, Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, ask and seek and knock. What he's saying is pray. In fact, he teaches us to pray. There's so much prayer talk in the scriptures, but I would invite you to jump into Matthew chapter six and five, six, and seven. But I, I, I know this. some of us in this room would say, that sounds great if I'm over here on this practice of prayer spectrum, but what if you're like brand new and you're not sure and you're like, you would even say, I tried that prayer thing. Come on, how many of you have ever tried to practice the discipline of prayer and the moment you sit down, 32 seconds into it, you're thinking about Slice Bakery and ice cream. <laughs> you're like, you're just so easily distracted. That's me right here. Apple fritter, yes please. Maple bar, yes. Had one yesterday, compliments of Tom Dushman. That's why it's a discipline. That's why it's a practice. But some of us, we've like thrown out this practice because it didn't go quite as good as we want. Maybe you would even say, hey, I did pray and nothing happened. So you feel like God's out there somewhere far off, maybe even uninterested. But I, I want you to hear this. This is what God He responds every time we pray. And here's the three ways he responds to us. Yes, and it's obvious because something happens. He also answers our prayers with a no. And sometimes his no is really him guarding and protecting us. It's an act of mercy on God's part that we didn't get what we prayed for. And the last one, which is maybe the hardest, is when we don't see anything happen. And God's response is, I just want you to wait because there's something better coming. And really, can you trust and can we trust God if it's a yes, if it's no, or if it's a wait? Well, every week we want to make it sticky with what we're talking about, right? So we actually live it out so that the DNA of our faith is evident and obvious to others. So here's a couple of what I would call next steps. The first one is... It really, it's an invitation. And you can word these different, but just my attempt to help us live it out. Here's the first one. I will take time in prayer this week, and I would call it just creating space for grace. It's just whatever it is, if it's two minutes or if it's 20, maybe you're a prayer warrior and it's more. You're just saying, God, I'm just pushing out distractions and I'm just, I'm talking to you. And creating that space for grace, I think it, 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 it does something in our spirit. We just go, all the chaos, we just go. Whew. We just quiet ourselves and we position ourselves to receive, but also to talk with God. I wrote in my notes, it's not on the screen, but prayer is less about the, the position we take. Like some of you might've grown up with a faith tradition where you have to kneel or God doesn't hear you, right? That, what about the thief on the cross? No kneeling, no kneeling, No fog, no cool lights, no beautiful musicians playing behind you. God hears our prayers. So it's not about the position, but it's more about the condition of our heart when we're interacting with him. Simple reminder and really an invitation. Last two, maybe you'd say this, "I'm, I'm choosing to surrender my anxiety for God's peace. And that's the divine exchange we've been talking about. I don't know what you carried in, I don't know what you, maybe you're like me, there's times where, and Joanne and I have talked about this, where during the worship time or prayer time, I'm like, Lord, I just give this to you, cast all your cares upon me, because you care for me, First Peter 5, 7, right? And I know the verse. And so like during worship, I'll like surrender it, and then right before I leave, like, all right, I'll take this back, let's go live the week. But when we cast our cares, it literally means to release. And so I just say, God, I'm gonna surrender my anxiety for your peace and the last one is the most important question (laughs) we'll ever answer and it's how we respond to the the grace of god extended to us through jesus christ to become a follower of jesus and it's it's the most important and it's the first prayer maybe that we pray that sets in motion our rescue and that's i am a sinner in need of a savior for God so loved the world as us that he gave his one and only son that if we'd believe in him we wouldn't perish all good news but we'd have eternal life and we stop there oftentimes. but verse 17 of John 3 is equally powerful and it says this God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world would be rescued through him and that's us So if you're here or you're watching this and you don't know Jesus but want to, acknowledge your need for a savior, confess your sin, invite him to be Lord of your life. And in a moment, I'm gonna lead us into prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray that if that's your desire. But I wanna do this, I wanna call us to just a moment of prayer as as I close my portion. And there's so much more incredible parts of today, so much celebration, but let's just pause and pray before we go to the next thing. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes if you're able. And God, we thank you that in every season and circumstance, God, of our lives, not only do you care, but you're there. Come on, right now, if there's something you've been carrying, whether you'd call it anxiety or fear or uncertainty or whatever it is, You can surrender that to God. God, we just, we give this to you because you care for us. God, we want to make this divine exchange. And it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's a mystery and yet you ask us to. So God, we just, we take a moment just to say I surrender this to you. And if you're here and you would say, you know, Jeffrey, I don't know Jesus and I want to, then I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray something like this. Jesus, I confess my needs for you. I can't rescue myself, but you can. I invite you to be Lord of my life. I invite you to give me a fresh start. (coughs) And Jesus, today I choose to follow you because you chose me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for salvation, there's a a number on the screen I think you can text. And why? Because no one should go alone. We're wired for relationship and we're better in them. And maybe today um, when the enemy tries to whisper like, hey, that was at church thing and you need to carry that burden, just remind yourself I made a divine exchange and I'm letting him carry it. God bless you. Thank you.
2: Joe! Yo-